you that they don't think you're going to do it. I'd be like, man, they think I'm a liar or something? They think I'm dishonest? They think I'm a liar? And we may not see it that way. And we all have little doubts, okay? I get that. We all have little things that come to us. But when we become a Thomas, and every time Jesus says something, in your mind or out of your mouth, all right, whatever. I doubt it. I'll see. I've never seen it. We're questioning the honesty of God. And that is not healthy for that relationship with father-son, father-daughter, whatever you are. Listen, that is not healthy for that relationship. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Let's look at uh, the next story about Thomas that we have. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Praise God. Who's ready to grow? I mean, I'm serious. I flat out refuse to stay right where I'm at. I want to grow. I don't want to be this way forever. I'm glad I'm not where I used to be. But I don't, I am not content with where I'm at as a Christian and as, as a spiritually. I want to grow. I want to see more miracles. I want to see God use me in bigger ways. I want to help more people than I've been able to help up until this point in my life. I want to grow. And it's, it comes down to faith. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Now, all the stories we're looking at are pretty well-known portions of Scripture, but sometimes people don't realize that Thomas was directly involved in this. And so John chapter 14, what we have is the sixth I am statement of Jesus, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And and But what you don't realize is Jesus was talking directly to Thomas when he said that. Because yet again, Thomas doesn't believe him. John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I love that. Verse 2, there is more than enough room in my father's home. The King James, most translations say, My father's house are many mansions. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. I love, I mean, can you imagine sitting there at the feet of Jesus and he's saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house or many mansions. If this wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm coming back to get you guys someday and you know what I'm talking about. You know, friends, where we're going. You know the way to heaven. And then verse 5, no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. In fact, we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? I'm like, this beautiful, wonderful, eloquent moment, Jesus describing heaven and his father's house, and you guys are going with me, and you know the way. And Thomas is like, I hate to rain on the parade, but we have no idea what you're even talking about. We don't know the way to, the way to heaven. And Jesus, right here, drops one of the most classic and timeless phrases that we have from him. And Jesus, in verse 6, Jesus told him, Thomas, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, Thomas, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And at that moment, I mean, Jesus just goes into this powerful statement. I'm like, it probably just got real awkward in there when Jesus called Thomas out in front of everyone. Thomas, I 
am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets up there except through me. But Jesus had to lay it out there real thick and real heavy. And again, that, that, that just seems disrespectful to me towards Jesus when he says something as beautiful as that, and then Thomas is like, I, I, I'm sorry, I, we, we don't even, we don't, we don't know the way. We don't even know what you're talking about. What are you talking about right now? And again, this man has been with Jesus for three years. He's seen him raise the dead. He's seen him, uh, you know, multiply the, the fish and the bread. He's seen him uh, lay hands on blind people and they're healed. He's seen him take care of deaf people. He's cast the devil out, cleansed the lepers. This man has seen all this stuff. And yet again, Jesus lays it out there. And Thomas is like, can you explain yourself, man? Because I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Like, what an attitude to have. And so... Doubt is a difficult thing to deal with, but it is one of the most disrespectful things that we can do towards our Father. And sometimes I, well, I'll, I, I, I just don't get it. And let me just put it out there. I don't understand everything about God yet. And if there ever is a point in time when I do understand everything about God, something is so, totally wrong. Because He is so big... That my mind, if, if my little mind and my little brain could fully comprehend the creator of the universe, then he's not that big. But he is way beyond my understanding. And so if you're going to grow as a Christian, you're going to have to come to the place where you learn to trust what he says even before you understand it. Sometimes trust first the understanding comes later. Sometimes trust, and I still don't understand it. I still, uh, there's something, I mean, I'm trusted, and, and God comes through, no doubt. And I mean, I don't understand it all. And thank God that I don't. I'll get to heaven someday, and I'll get some more answers for some things that I don't get yet. But listen, I'm going to trust and obey the whole way until I get there. And so, Thomas again, Jesus has to lay this truth on him. But let's look at the third story about Thomas. It's found in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And this is the famous story that most of you probably know. This is where Thomas earned a nickname that has stuck with him for 2,000 years and running. He's potentially in the running for the longest lasting nickname. I don't know very many people that, you know, how'd you get that nickname, Thomas? Well, about 2,000 years ago, Jesus said something and I doubted it. So John chapter 20, we're going to look at verses 24 and 25. And so Jesus has resurrected. He's back. Hallelujah. And, and so he was on the earth for 40 days before he went back up into heaven. And here he is, and he appears to the disciples. John chapter 20, verse 24. One of the disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. Can you imagine that? Jesus shows up and you weren't there to see it. Wouldn't that just tick you off? Like, I missed it? I missed Jesus? Like, what in the world? That's awful. There's been a lot of things that I wasn't there for uh, that day. And I'm like, man, that stinks. But look at this. Verse 25. They told him... We have seen the Lord. Now these are some of his best friends. These aren't just some bums on the street. 
These are some of Thomas's best friends. He's lived with these guys for three and a half years. They say, man, we just had an experience. They're all saying, we saw the Lord. We saw Jesus. Ten of them, because Judas was dead at this point, so that, and Thomas wasn't there. But the other ten say, we just saw Jesus. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. What? Oh my gosh. He, let's look at, look at that statement. He doesn't even stop at, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. He's like, I'll believe it when I see it, and when I can personally feel it too. What a double dog low down thing to do. I know some people, I'll believe it when I see it, but Thomas goes and says, I'll believe it when I can see it, and I'll believe it when I can personally feel it too. So what did he just do? He called all ten of his friends liars. Bunch of lies. I don't believe a word you guys are saying. Like, how would you like that to be your friend? All ten of you are witnessing to the same thing. No, no, seriously, we saw him. Yeah, right. No, you didn't. I, I, I don't believe a word you're saying. What an awful thing to say, especially when Jesus kept saying, guys, I'm going to die. I'll be gone for three days, but then I'm coming back. So Jesus himself said he was coming back, and he comes back, and Thomas doesn't believe it. So listen, this is, I mean, just, this is where that nickname came from. But look at verse 26. Verse 26. Verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. So he's actually there this time. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And so one thing you've got to realize, Jesus resurrected, and he is now in what we would call a glorified body. And in this body, Jesus, I mean, he's, you know, you may think I'm crazy. He's walking through the wall. He's just showing up places and and startling people. And I love that because when we get to heaven, you realize we get glorified bodies too. Right, man? Dude, I cannot wait for heaven because that's one thing on my bucket list up there. I'm going to be walking through walls. I just want to show up. You're in your mansion eating some KFC or something. And I just push. Hey, guys, what's up? Peace be with you. Right? Uh, Peace be with me, man. What are you doing? And so, Jesus shows up, peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, oh, Thomas, guess what, buddy? I've got something to show you. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Buddy just got called out in front of everybody. He's like, you wanted your proof? Here's your proof. Look at this. Feel this. Don't be faithless. What did he just tell Thomas, man? You haven't had any faith until now, but here's your chance. Believe. Do you think Thomas believed at this point? Buddy, yeah, he believed. (laughs) He believed all right. But look at this. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, hey, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Wow. Well, 
I believe it now because I can see it. I believe the church is going to get those AC units because I can see them now. It doesn't take any faith to believe in something you can actually see. Faith is believing without seeing. And Jesus said, Thomas, I love you, man. But the only reason you even believe what I said and what your friends over here said is because you can see me and feel me now. But that's not where the blessing is. Blessed are those, Thomas, who believe without seeing. There is a blessing for those who will believe before they can even see it. Blessed are those people. Is there anybody here today that you fall into that category where I haven't seen it yet, but you better bet I believe it. Guess what? Blessed are you. You're blessed for that. Mm. Love this stuff. All right. The third thing I'm going to say is this. Points about Thomas because one one truth is, all right, man, we've seen the bad and the ugly and the pessimism and the disrespect, all right? But how would you like to be remembered for your lowest moments in life when you've got some good ones too, right? I think my mother-in-law back there always tells me, you know, she she reminds me of something. I'm not endorsing this individual, you know, right? I'm not, but... The former President Bill Clinton, all right, he, he said, I, you know what, it stinks when you know, you've done some good things. I'm not endorsing him, all right? <laughs> please, please hear me out. But he did say, he one time said, but it's, it really stinks sometimes to be remembered for your absolute worst, lowest, dumbest moment of your life. And I, you know, be honest, I wouldn't vote for the guy, but I can understand that. It does stink when you've done some decent, good things in the world, right? At least according to the best that you think you did, but most people would just remember the dumbest thing you ever did. And what I'm saying is, Thomas, we've got record of the stupidest, dumbest things that he did. But what we do know is this, he didn't actually stay that way. Truths about Thomas One, he was a pessimist for a lot of his life. Number two, he was doubtful. But number three, he was redeemed. He found redemption. And thank God. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Because maybe you're in here and you're like, I've been a pessimist, I've been a doubter, I've been this, I've been that. But aren't you glad that Jesus comes and says, you know what? Yeah, you've doubted me, you've kind of insulted me a few times. But guess what? I love you, and I see something there, and I want to give you another chance. Mm. Now, redemption, by definition, means to buy something back, right? That's the most accurate, literal translation of the word, is to buy something back. And so when we say, Jesus redeemed us, that means at one point, I belonged to the kingdom of darkness. Satan was my master. Well, I never chose that. By not choosing Jesus, by default, you chose Satan. And we were all there at one point in time. And so Jesus comes in and says, I want her back. I'll pay, what, what, what's the cost? What, what's it going to take? It's going to take your blood, man. And so Jesus says, you know what? That's not too much. She's well worth it. He is well worth it. I will pay, I will pay that. Jesus paid the price of his blood and bought you back from Satan and brought you back to the family, to the kingdom of God from the kingdom of darkness. 
Let's give Jesus some praise right now, man. If that doesn't excite you, what is wrong? Thank you, Jesus. You redeemed us. You bought us back. When we were pretty much worthless, you said, oh no, they're priceless. I'll do this anyway. And so, a, a, a deeper, even definition and translation of redemption beyond that in the Hebrew means to overcome something detrimental. So you were bought back and then Jesus makes you overcome something that was detrimental to you. Thomas, doubt and pessimism was detrimental to him. But Jesus redeemed him and gave him a chance to overcome the very things that held him back. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We have made some mistakes and done some boneheaded, knucklehead things, but Jesus redeemed us, and I don't have to be a knucklehead anymore. I don't have to be stupid anymore. I don't have to be full of doubt anymore. I don't have to be addicted anymore. I don't have to be bound by fear anymore. I don't have to be sick anymore. I don't have to be poor anymore. I don't have to be broken anymore. I don't have to feel worthless anymore. I am redeemed. Jesus bought me and took me out of that mess. I don't belong to Satan. I belong to Jesus. So Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 in the New King James it says in whom or in him we have redemption we've been bought in other words through his blood the forgiveness of sins Thomas at this point up until now he took some of this to the point of sin. Is it a sin to doubt? Well, again, we all get hit with some stuff. But when your whole lifestyle is every time the Word of God says something, and you know, I doubt that, that's sin. That does reach the point of sin. But Jesus died, rose again, had to come and give Thomas some truth, had to lay it straight with him. You only believe because you've seen me. But blessed are those who believe me without seeing me. Thomas found redemption. Thomas was forgiven of his sins, and Thomas overcame that which was detrimental to him. Now the next little story that I'm going to share as we begin to close out is this. I always knew that most of Jesus' disciples died a martyr's death. John did not. He's the only one. John lived until his 90s. And wrote the book of Revelation because they were like, man, we, we can't get rid of this guy. They sent him out to an island called Patmos out in the sea there. And I like, will just get rid of this crazy old guy and send him out there. And as he's out there, the Lord appears and gives him the book of Revelation. And John got the last laugh because, hey, now we know most of what we know about heaven. Because you knuckleheads sent John out to an island thinking you'd shut him up. But you didn't. Judas hung himself, all right? And the other guys, they all died martyrs' deaths. And so I'm, I, you know, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, I get it, you know. Um, Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, uh, you know, uh, Peter. I, 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 I can see how they would, but out of all those guys, I have a hard time seeing Thomas taking a bullet for Jesus, right? Or a spear or a hanging or whatever they want to do with him. And so I'm, I'm studying out his life a little bit more. And, 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 and according to church history, what we have about Thomas is this. 
is that Thomas got it together. And he became such a passionate and fiery evangelist for Jesus. He gets this redemption. He gets another chance that he starts spreading the gospel. And he lives one of the longer lives of the apostles, of the 12 disciples. Actually lives longer than a lot of them. And he takes the gospel so far that the man is credited with founding Christianity in India. He went that far away. I'm like, my gosh, what is all this? And, you know, I'm studying this out. And, you know, a lot of what we have, the church history-wise, comes from the Catholic Church. And so I'm studying this. And, and I'm, I'm like, this is just hard to believe. He planted seven churches in India. Thomas. And 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 then we got all these stories about these antagonistic and and uh, angry Hindu priests that were after him. And the ironic thing is, according to history, what we have is that Thomas founding a church, the Hindu priest caught up to him and stabbed him through the side with a spear right down the side. I think it was seventy-two A.D. or something like that. And so they stab him, and Thomas lays down his life. And dies for Jesus and will not go back on his beliefs. Say, I believe this enough to die for it. And kind of the irony of the story is the same guy that said, I won't believe it until I put my hand in the hole in his side that he was stabbed with it. I won't believe it until I put my hand in that hole in his side. The same guy took a spear to the side, just like Jesus, and laid it all down and said, I'll die for what I believe in now. I can't see him, but I'm going to see him soon. Thomas found redemption through being a doubter and almost antagonistic, a, a pessimist. Jesus loved him anyway and gave him another chance. And what, So what does all that boil down to today? For us, listen, maybe you're sitting here like, well, I'm not perfect. I, I've done that. I've done that. That's okay. You don't got to be perfect. We've seen that. Jesus chose Peter and Thomas. He even let Judas work with him for a few years. Jesus didn't pick perfect people. And that's really good news for me. And that's really good news for you because that's just who he's looking for because people like me and people like you God's going to do great things through us. And I know none of us are going to be able to say, well, he only did that because I'm so smart. Right? Are you with me? He ain't doing anything around here because we got a church full of geniuses. And I'm not putting down on you. I'm not putting down on me. Because we got a church full of rich people. Well, we got a church full of beautiful people. He's using us. He's using you. He's using me. Because we're not perfect. And we're fully aware of it. And we're saying, Jesus... You redeemed me, and I want you to use me for something great. I know you can't do it because I'm so good, but you're going to get the glory because people are going to say, I know that they are perfect, but my gosh, what God has done through them. And so in the days ahead, I end nearly every conversation I have with this right now. In the days ahead, man, there could be persecution to come towards Christians. I preached on it last week. The pressure from the world around us could get more and more and more. And guess what? Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And I, you know, I'm like, hey, if I got to take a spear to the side, I'm never going to say, well, you know what? I didn't really believe that Jesus stuff anyway. I'll 
die before I say something like that. I will, I'm sticking with him all the way until the end. And the more we stick with him, praise God, blessed are those who believe without seeing. He's coming back, and we're going up in glory with him, but there will never be a point in time where anybody from this church, amen, are you with me? That we will let go of Jesus. We're sticking with him all the way until the very end. If you're with me today, can you stand up together and give the Lord some praise? Amen. And so everything that we said, I mean, what a weird guy to study. I mean, you know, like we probably would have done better talking about Paul or someone cool. But what happened here is God can use someone like Thomas to teach us some stuff. And I'm challenging you that no matter what it is that you're facing or your insecurities or your imperfections, quit looking at yourself and start looking to Jesus. It's going to take people of faith. In fact, Jesus, when he's talking to the disciples, he's like, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith? Well, that's a weird thing to say. Why don't you say, you know, will he find this? or what? But Jesus said, when, he, when I come back, when I'm coming down out of those clouds, will I find faith on the earth? I can't speak for everybody, but I can say, Jesus, there's this little town in the Mojave Desert called Barstow. <laughs> You're going to find faith over there. I can't speak about everywhere. But you're going to find faith there. That's our entire lives. We may not have it all together. We may not know about every topic under the sun. But we do know a thing or two about faith. Our entire lives are based on faith. That's everything we do. We live by faith. And so, what I want to do today is this. If uh, I don't know if that spoke to you. If it didn't speak to you. If you wish I'd just shut up now. Your time's coming. I'm going to shut up in a minute. But listen. Let's take a few minutes, and I believe God wants to work on your heart for a second here. I believe that that He's challenging you, and, and no matter who you are in here, God's saying, you could do better. You could grow. Oh, come on. Maybe God's been speaking to you about something lately, saying, I want you to do this, and you're saying, no, no, no. Maybe God's saying, hey, I want to do this in your life, and you're saying, I don't I don't see that, I doubt it, I don't... Listen, whatever it is, let's take a minute here. Josh is going to lead us in a worship song, but you need to talk to God, and maybe you need to repent Say, you know what, I'm sorry for doubting your honesty, God. I'm sorry that I that I would even challenge your truthfulness. Forgive me. I believe what you said. We'll figure it out later. I don't have to understand it now. But let's take a minute and examine our hearts before God. Because he's speaking to you now. Amen. Go ahead, Josh, and lead us in something here. And I know that I know you never fail. Yes, I know that I know you never will. And I know that I know you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know you never will. And I know that I know you never fail Oh yes I know that I know you never will And I know that I know you never fail Oh yes I know that I know you never will 
you make mountains move you make giants fall you use songs of praise to shake prison walls and I will speak to my fear and I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then you'll be faithful now you make mountains move you make giants fall you use songs of praise to shake prison walls and I will speak to my fear and I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then you'll be faithful now and I know that I know you never fail oh yes I know that I know you never will oh and I know that I know you never fail oh yes I know that I know you never will cause you make mountains move you make giants fall you use songs of praise to shake prison walls and I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then you'll be faithful now yes you were faithful then you'll be faithful now Hallelujah. I want to pray over you this morning. And I just believe that maybe you're in a very comfortable position in life. And that's great. But don't stay comfortable, man. Start stretching and growing. And and sometimes comfort can really be one of the more dangerous phases of your life because you're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I got it together. If there's nothing that you're believing God for right now, man, find something. Find something bigger. Find a new giant. Find something that you can start using your faith for. But maybe, hey, you're like, I'm good. I, I've got a giant on my I've got some problems that I need to tend to. Then thank God you're in the house of God. Amen. Let, raise your hands. Let's, let's pray over you today. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come to you in Jesus' name. We're not coming in my name. We're not coming in the church name, the, the United States name. We're coming in the name that is above every other name. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the risen one, the redeemer, the savior of the world. We're coming to you in that name right now. And Father, I say in the name of Jesus, that every single person here, Lord, no matter what it is we may be facing, Lord, that we know it has to bow to the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that as we've heard the word of God today, that we've been stirred, we've been challenged. Lord, help us to step up. Help us to, to not just, well, that was another good sermon. I'm going to go home now. Help us to not be like that. Help us, Lord, to take your word to heart and to go do something with it. 
that help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only or else we're living a life of deception. And that's disgusting for the children of God to live that way. Father, in Jesus' name, strengthen us, use us this week to show your love, to be your light. And God, we're going to fill this place up with hurting, helpless, broken people so they can hear the same word of God that we've heard. And they're going to be restored and redeemed and healed and delivered from their addictions and afflictions. And when you come back, they're going with us. They're not staying behind here, Father. We thank you for it right now. In Jesus' mighty name, can somebody say amen? Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. Well, ushers, I need my ushers on the back table. We've got a bunch of these Easter invitations. I want ushers, can you grab those boys? Thank you. I mean men, sorry. And uh, Katie's got them. Listen, personal assignment and challenge, all right? <laughs> I like to suggest some things like if, you, if there's someone on your heart, Take one of these and go invite them and maybe Jesus could potentially touch them that day if it's on your heart. I don't care if it's on your heart or not. Invite someone to church, man. It's 2021. Don't be a sissy. People are dying out there. People are depressed. People are screwed up right now. So I've got 300 of these, but I'll get more. Well, don't worry. We'll get more if we need to. But every family in here, take at least one of these. And go invite somebody before Easter. Can you do that? Can you do that? Well, why? You're just trying to fill the church up? Absolutely, I'm trying to fill the church up. For one, we've got good heating and air conditioning now. But but on top of that, we preach the gospel here. Yeah, I'm trying to fill it up. Absolutely. We're trying to take as many people to heaven as we can. All right? So the ushers have those. I know you're going to take at least one, but... You probably need to take more than that. So we've got 300. We'll get more of them. And I challenge you, I'm going to do it too. I will find people. Listen, invite somebody to church that day so they can hear the gospel. We will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And then I believe they're going to receive it and they're going to heaven too. Amen. But that's your assignment. That's your job. Take at least one. If you want more, you can have more than that. But you got to do this for me. Can we all do that? Can we all do that together? All right. Thank you very much. Praise God. Well, I don't think it would hurt us at all to one more time give the Lord a great big shout of praise. Can we do it one more time? Hallelujah. God, you are so good. We don't deserve it, but you are so good to us. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your mercy. It endures forever and ever. Amen. Well, who's ready to just go out to Barstow and Fort Irwin and the Marine Base and the Railroad and the school, whatever it is you work, and take the love of Jesus this week and preach the gospel to every creature? Are you with me on that? Amen. Let's go ahead. We're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow. We're going to dismiss you. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock. Why? Well, I'm going to be with the Jam Junior kids who are honestly super fun. I love being with the kids, all right? So I'm, I'm doing children's church tonight, which I'm stoked about because I love those kids. They're so much fun. Um, but also, we've got a great person speaking tonight. Now, she doesn't want me to give her name away, so I won't. But all right. So anyway, someone awesome is preaching tonight, and you're going to love it so much. It's going to be great. So 
be here tonight at 6 o'clock and hear the word of God again. Would, would more church help you or hurt you? Would more word of God help you or hurt you? This isn't a trick question. It, w- it would help you. It would help you. <laughs> well, we don't know the way, Pastor Dave. How can we possibly know the way? You know the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> All right. Praise God. I'll shut up. Let's do the Barstow Faith Confession. Then you can go out there and get your Del Taco or whatever it is you're doing with the rest of your day. Praise God. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We'll see you Oh, things have passed. Uh...